helpful along um, with that. So uh, to begin our our sermon this morning, I want you to think about a movie that is kind of popular at our house. Uh, I have three young kids, 10, uh, 8, and 6, and so uh, I'm not up on the latest movies, okay? Uh, There is not a chance that I will be seeing Pirates of the Caribbean in the theater, okay? It's just uh, we're not there, and uh, and so I'm still more in that genre of Lion King, okay? You tracking with me? Uh, that, That is kind of where we are at as a family. And uh, it's okay to laugh at this. We have a legacy here of laughing with and at pastors. And, uh, and so in The Lion King, uh, there is a part in the story uh, where the daddy lion Mufasa is dead. You guys tracking with me? You guys remember that, that part of the scene? And the little lion is Simba, and he is there with his dead father. But he is also there with the wicked, mean Uncle Scar. And he wants to cripple that little lion. He wants him to run away from the pride land because he wants to rule the land. And he can't do it with Simba, who is the rightful heir, around. And so he wants to cripple him. He wants him to get scared. And so he comes up and he looks at Simba and he says, what have you done? Now, Jeremy Irons has a tremendous voice, and he's the actor, and I can't do it any justice. I'm not even going to try. But I'll tell you something, that I have nightmares every time I hear that because that voice is a voice that all of us have when we look at our past. What have you done? And little Simba goes, well, well, I just, it just, it, 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 it just happened. And Scar says, he'd be alive if it wasn't for you. Remember that? Little lion crippled with shame. Even though it's a cartoon, I think we have a lot in common with it. People are crippled with shame from what they have done, from their past, right? Get fired from a job, declare bankruptcy, fail at all. Addicts live with shame, whether the problem is drugs, alcohol, food, or sex. If others know about it, shame can just keep getting hurled on. Shame doesn't just come from what you've done in the past. It can also come from what has been done to you, right? Any sexual violation brings shame on the victim. Shame can also be related to those you're associated with. Perhaps your family is in poverty and it's public knowledge. There's public immorality. Someone imprisoned can bring shame to those near them. Just very simply, even for teenagers here at school, just think about you're the second sibling and your older sibling had a bad reputation. What do you want to do when you go to that school? You, you want to try to what? Hide that you're related. You want to hide that you have the same last name. You don't want to be associated with your crazy older sibling who ruined your reputation at school. How do you know where you're experiencing shame? All you got to do is ask this question. What am I trying to hide? Right? That's a shortcut to identifying shame in your life. In Isaiah 54, God gives us a promise 
that we can forget our shame of our youth by getting into a new relationship with him in which we will trade shame for his honor. It is one of the most beautiful passages in Scripture. It comes after Isaiah 53. For those of us here that have been good Bible students for a long time, know that this is Isaiah 53, a prediction of Christ's death. It's part of the uh, suffering servant. But it goes from death to life here in Isaiah 54. And we're going to see this morning that we need to forget our shame, that we need to burst into song, and that we need to answer the call. Those are the three points this morning. Forget your shame, burst into song, and answer the call. Let's hear God's word. Sing, O barren one, who did not bear. Break forth into singing and cry aloud, you who have not been in labor. For the children of the desolate one will be more than the children of her who is married, says the Lord. Enlarge the place of your tent and let the curtains of your habitations be stretched out. Do not hold back. Lengthen your cords and stretch your stakes. For you will spread abroad to the right and to the left and your offspring will possess the nations and will, peop, uh, and will people the desolate cities. Fear not, for you will not be ashamed. Be not confounded, for you will not be disgraced, for you will forget the shame of your youth and the reproach of your widowhood you will remember no more, for your maker is your husband. The Lord of hosts is his name. And the Holy One of Israel is your Redeemer, the God of the whole earth, he is called. For the Lord has called you like a wife deserted and grieved in spirit, like a wife of youth when she is cast off, says your God. For a brief moment I deserted you, but with great compassion I will gather you. In overflowing anger for a moment I hid my face from you, but with everlasting love I will have compassion on you, says the Lord, your Redeemer." This is like the days of Noah to me, as I swore that the waters of Noah should no more go over the earth. So I have sworn that I will not be angry with you and will not rebuke you. For the mountains may depart and the hills be removed, but my steadfast love shall not depart from you, and my covenant of peace shall, be, shall not be removed, says the Lord who has compassion on you. We're going to try to forget our shame burst in the song, and answer the call. Let's pray. God, we uh, thank you that we just get to hear your word and jump in to a rich passive scripture. We pray that you would help us to uh, not allow shame to silence us and to live with that as our home, but to find our new home with you in Christ. Lord, we ask all this in your name and for your glory. Amen. The first thing we see here uh, is found in verse 4, where it tells us that we will forget the shame of our youth. It says, fear not. That means God's going to do something. Whenever God, God's word says, fear not, he's saying, I'm on the move. I care about this. And he's saying, for you will not be ashamed. Be not confounded, uh, for you will not be disgraced, for you will forget the shame of your youth. Now, what is bringing this person shame? We have to go back to verse 1 and see that this person is barren. 
Okay, and barrenness was the leading cause of shame in the ancient Near East. If sexual violation is the biggest cause of shame today, it is definitely barrenness back then. Okay, it was public. Uh, everyone knew that you were barren. It was inescapable. Uh, people just knew that you didn't have any children. And here's what your neighbors would have thought. You must have done something really bad to get something that bad. And the temptation with people that are wrestling with shame is to think, I deserve this happening to me. So, without any children, you would have no one to inherit your land, no one for your name to continue, which part of the Jewish legacy is family lineage. We see that when we come to Matthew chapter 1, Luke chapter 2, the lineage matters. And so no one to carry on your family name, it was a sense of deep shame. And before we can learn how to forget our shame, I know all of you are like, get there. <laughs> all right. <laughs> um, we need to understand how the Bible cover to cover uh, pictures what shame is. Shame is a big deal. And the Bible says that all of us have a deep, 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 deep sense of shame in our life. And the Bible refers to shame in some different categories. It refers to it, first of all, as nakedness. Think about Genesis chapter 2. God created Adam and Eve. We believe that here, God's word. We believe it, not just a made-up fairy tale, not just a myth. God created Adam and Eve. He put them in a garden, and they were naked. And the Bible ends chapter 2 with saying, and they were not ashamed. But then sin came in, they revolted against their Lord God maker, they committed high treason against their good God who gave them this wonderful garden to live in. And Genesis chapter 3, verses 7 and 8 says, and then the eyes of both of them were opened and they knew they were naked and listen to what they do. And they sewed fig leaves together and they made themselves loincloths. What happens when we feel shame, when we feel naked, when we feel exposed and everyone else is dressed? We want to hide. We want to cover ourselves. Self-beautification. Make ourselves look good. We know that they try to cover themselves with fig leaves, and we know that the picture points greater for that God gives them a better clothing. And we're going to get there this morning. God gives us a better clothing, right? Because God, for the first time, kills an animal, and he covers them with an animal. We know that later, behold the Lamb of God, who takes away the sins of the world, and he covers us in Christ. We also know that the Bible talks about shame as uncleanness. You guys are familiar with leprosy? Leviticus chapter 13, a whole chapter in God's word on uncleanness. It was very important. In that society, there was the clean and there was the unclean. There was no, I'm partially clean. Okay, you either were or you weren't. And if you had leprosy, the priest had to go and check you and see your sores. And then he would say, oh, your skin condition, that's leprosy, and he would pronounce you unclean, and you would go live in a leper colony, and anytime someone came near you, you'd have to do what? Leviticus 13, 45 says you'd have to say unclean, 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 and announce that. I doubt they were doing that with proud foreheads, don't you? You know, here's the difference between guilt and shame. When you lie, that's wrong, Right? You experience guilt because you broke a standard. It can be private, though. But when you get caught in a lie, you experience guilt because you broke a standard. But what also do you experience? Shame, because why? Everyone knows that you're a coward and that you had to lie to get out of this. 
And all of a sudden, what you wanted to hide now became known for all to see. The leprosy and the uncleanness, you have to declare that so that when we get to Matthew chapter 8, Jesus meets a leper. And the leper said, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. And Jesus does. Hear this picture. If you will, you can make me clean. Leprosy contaminated people. You thought of yourself as a virus in your shame. And if a lot of times people don't ask for help out of their shame because they're afraid of what? If I touch somebody else, they might get it. I might bring them down with me. And here we see in the gospel that if you're contaminated and you touch somebody else, you give them a disease. But when God is holy and he touches you, you become holy. I need more to hide behind. (laughs) This is not a good day to practice shame with this little... (laughs) I'm sorry. Shame can also make you feel like an outcast. Sarah felt this way. Genesis chapter 16, Sarah has no children. She's barren. She gets to the point of that age where she says, I'm never going to have children. It's going to be a miracle. I'm desolate. I'm marked off, and I'm an outcast. And that's why the Bible talks about shame in terms of nakedness, that everyone sees you, you're vulnerable, you're exposed, talks about it in uncleanness, something's wrong with you, that's how we feel, we're dirty, and we just can't get that spot out, right? And we're afraid that everybody sees that mud. It's okay to be muddy when you're playing near a mud hole, but not when you go to church, and we're afraid that everyone sees us muddy coming in. And so guess what we do? We don't want to come to church. Because I have clothed myself in my suit jacket and my tie. God is calling us to forget our shame. And so the second thing you have to do here is you have to burst into song. Josh, I don't feel like singing. I feel like crying. Join the crowd. All right. But her shame was public and her joy is public. Sing, O barren one who did not bear. Break forth into singing, cry aloud, you who have not been in labor. For the children of the desolate one will be more than the children of her who is married, says the Lord. Enlarge the place of your tent. Let the curtains of your inhabitations be stretched out. Do not hold back. Lengthen your cords and strengthen your stakes. What is he saying there? Somehow, someone who hasn't been able to give birth, she needs a bigger tent to hold all of her family. Her land is going to spread out over the horizon. Her descendants are going to be so many that it's going to take over the land and other nations. It couldn't get any better for any other Israelite. Land, a lot of kids. And now a woman who's been living in shame would now be held in the highest regard. What a reversal. Right? What a reversal. And catch this. She didn't have to do a thing. Let that sink in. She didn't have to do a thing. Most of us try to forget the shame and burst into song by trying to cover our shame with our good deeds and achievements, right? Think about it like putting on clothes. 
most of us feel better when we like the clothes that we wear, right? There are times when I have to get something done, and after being raised in a school where I had to wear a shirt and tie, guess what feels really natural to me? A shirt and tie. And there are days where I come to this office on a Saturday, and I'll wear a shirt and tie just because it is get-it-done mode. I feel better about myself when my shirt's ironed for some really weird reason. I'm starting to learn same shirt, different day, okay? But it takes a lot to get that into me, all right? You can see this in little girls. When little girls feel like the bell of the ball when they put a little pink tutu over their everyday clothes. It doesn't take long for Janelle to put on some kind of outfit, and next thing you know, she's dancing. Why? Beauty is to be displayed. What once was shy, not Janelle, okay, but what once was shy now becomes what? You take on a whole new personality because of the clothes that you wear. Men, you're going, yeah, you lost me on this, Josh. I'm not a shirt and tie guy. I am also not a tutu guy. Good. (laughs) But a lot of men take pride in wearing the uniform of their favorite sports teams. And they are not afraid to be seen with that. And they gloat in that. If that's not you, there are a lot of men that love the company uniform. Military. When we see guys on Monday in their dress blues and all the other different colors of it, those guys look sharp, don't they? It makes you feel like you belong and that you are a part of something. You don't feel like an outcast and you don't act like you once did. It's amazing how clothes can make us feel like we belong. You know, when I was in sixth grade, I went to a new school. I had to leave the elementary school, and in sixth grade, I went to this Christian school, and I didn't know anybody. I didn't have any older siblings. Nobody could vouch for me. I was new there. And uh, in sixth grade, it was still elementary there. It was like repeating fifth grade all over again. But in sixth grade, you got recess, which was a great thing. But at this school in D.C., all we had for a playground was a parking lot asphalt in four spray-painted white squares. No playground equipment. For a school from kindergarten through 12th grade, a parking lot with four white squares, and guess what you were supposed to do? Play kickball. I thought, yes, finally I'm going to be able to fit in. That's right up my alley. I, do you guys know, I'm a soccer player. And if you can't tell, I wear indoor soccer shoes with my shirt and tie at the Christian school. Pick me. What I realized was you didn't get picked based upon your indoor soccer shoes. You got picked by popularity. And guess what? I signed up for school late. I missed making the soccer team because they started in the summer. And when you become a kid at the school, like a day before the school starts, guess what you can't do? Can't try out for the soccer team. It's already gone. So I wasn't a soccer, I wasn't on the school soccer team, but I was a travel soccer player. I was good. And nobody knew that. I got picked last. So you know what I did? Nobody knew me. Nobody could vouch for me. It's kind of funny, but it's kind of sad. (laughs) All the patches of all the teams that I played, all up and down the East Coast, travel soccer, 
know, I put this on, I wore it to school, and I felt like I was somebody. I felt like I belonged. I could prove to them who I was. But guess what? This doesn't cover your shame for long. Because you know what? That's okay to wear in sixth grade. But when you're done with sixth grade, you can't wear a corny jacket that your mom sewed. <laughs> you got to make the varsity team and get that jacket. And that doesn't last either. Because once you graduate high school, nobody cares that you had the soccer uniform for your high school team. You have to make the college team. And guess what? It doesn't last either. See, when you find your identity in anything else besides Christ, it doesn't last. The honor doesn't last. It just disappears because you're looking for something that isn't permanent. Something that will cover your shame forever. Maybe you're not an athletic junkie like me, but maybe it's wealth. Maybe it's success, maybe it's power, maybe it's your intellect, but you're always afraid that there's somebody smarter than you. Maybe it's pleasure, but it doesn't last. Hear this, you can't become the person you ought to be any more than a barren woman can have children just by trying hard. Get that? No matter how hard she tried, guess what? She's barren. She couldn't have children. No matter how hard I tried, I could never keep making the teams. My athletic ability ran out. I didn't make the pros. Now what? She can't do it, and you can't do it either to cover your shame. So here's the good news. If shame is our problem... It is an important problem to God, and God is actively involved in solving it. Isaiah says he has a plan to bring to an end your shame. Are you excited this morning to hear about this plan? Are you as excited as a once barren woman hearing after her pregnancy test that she is pregnant? Probably not. No, you're not. I can tell. You're like sleepy. Is it warm in here? It feels pretty warm to bear all this to you guys, all right? Oh, my goodness, like confession. All right, um, so how does all this work? I want to be upfront with you if you're our guest. If what I'm about to say does not sound like good news to you, you have not understood the story of the gospel. But hear this. If what I'm going to share with you sounds like it's too good to be true, then you have understood the gospel, and your mind and your heart just have to get caught up with it. It is a lot harder to believe than you think it is because you would prefer, to, because you know shame, to stay in shame because it feels familiar than to trust a Savior who says, I want to bring you out of shame. So here's our final point this morning. Will you answer the call? Notice what she is singing about. Sing, O barren one who did not bear. Break forth into singing and cry aloud. Let's skip over now to verse 5. Why is she singing? For your maker is your husband. The Lord of hosts is his name. And the Holy One of Israel is your Redeemer. The God of the whole earth, he is called. Guess what she is singing about? That God is her husband. Not only is God our creator and God is our maker and God is our king, but he is our spouse. And guess what? Shame often works through association, doesn't it? 
Dan DeHart is not allowed to wear camouflage and Hawaiian because it reflects on his marriage, okay? Because <laughs> they're associated. Guys, that's why we dress nice, because it, it reflects who we are associated with. And so if you have ever had a parent who has an ex to you, you can feel shame because of that association. But you can also be like me and experience shame because you have no associations. You have no one in your school. You could be desolate, you could be isolated, you could be all by yourself, wondering how you're going to survive. And in an instant, this woman gets the closest association possible. We call that marriage. She was a widow, and now she gets married. What a reversal. She went from being identified with nothing to being identified as the bride of the creator God. Friends, that is the story of every Disney movie. The poor, neglected commoner becomes the beautiful princess and queen. The commoner was disgraced and shamed till everything changed in a moment with the simple question, will you marry me? All the difference in those movies and in real life is that all the attention is on the bride. But guess who all the attention is on here? The groom. Because the bride is nothing. In fact, in this passage, it could be argued the bride has played an unfaithful spouse. Look at verse 6. For the Lord has called you like a wife deserted and grieved in spirit, like a wife of youth when she is cast off, says your God. You read through the book of Hosea, and you see that spiritual adultery is what we call sin. God was in a relationship with Israel. He was faithful to them, and they whored after other nations and other gods, it says. And God here is the creator God who wants to be your groom, and he isn't wooing you like you're this pure, spotless bride walking in the aisle. He is wooing you back when you're already in the house of a false lover. And he is saying, come back. And so... This kind of bride goes from being in shame to being associated with the life of another, someone who is holy, and it is a cure for our shame today. The cure for your shame is who are you associated with? Either you are associated with your past, you're associated with what has been done to you, you're associated with other people in your life, or you can be associated with God. Now, when you hear that, our instincts say, Wow, I gotta make myself clean. I mean, if God wants to marry me, I, I gotta get my life together, but that is deadly. It sounds honorable. Listen to who our Savior is. Mark 2:17 says, This is who Jesus came for. Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. Sinners are the guilty. Sinners are the shamed. And notice that our King, our Savior, our husband. He identifies with the shame. He identifies with the destitute to the point that he becomes shamed and destitute himself. That's a hero. Amen? Psalm 69, verses 7 through 9 says, For it is for your sake that I have borne reproach, that dishonor has covered my face. I have become a stranger to my brothers, an alien to my mother's sons. For zeal for your house has consumed me, and the reproaches of those who reproach you have fallen on me. That's predicted in the Old Testament. The New Testament clarifies it, so let's go over to the Gospel of Mark. Mark 14. 
I just want you to see that this is the gospel part of the message. And I'd love for you just to see how what Christ went through in order to rescue you and to give you his honor. How all of the shame fell on him. In Mark chapter 14, verses 1 through 3, we see that they wanted to kill him. It was now two days before the Passover and the Feast of Unleavened Bread, and the chief priests and the scribes were seeking how to arrest him by stealth and kill him. It's going to cause some shame. Some rejection causes shame. Go over now with me to verses 10 and 11. A friend is going to betray him. And then Judas, who was one of the twelve, went to the chief priest in order to betray him to them. And when they heard it, they were glad and promised to give him money, and he sought an opportunity to betray him. You think betrayal leads to shame? Yeah, I think it does. Not only that, go over to verse 27, and we're going to see Peter. What's worse, betrayal or denial? Betrayal says, you know, I'm going to plot against you. Denial says, I don't even know you. And it's someone he spent his life with for three years. And Jesus said to them, you will all fall away, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. Verse 28, but after I am raised up, I will go before you to Galilee. Peter said to him, even though they all fall away, I will not. And Jesus said to him, truly I say, I tell you, this very night before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times. But he said emphatically, if I must die with you, I will not deny you. And they all said the same. And where does he end on the cross? Humiliated, spit upon, beard ripped out, and naked. Alone. Is that shame? I think that's shame. The Bible says in Galatians 3.13, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on the tree. Christ crosses into our life to reach you. Many of us have little bits of shame like my schoolyard days. But some of us have lived in shame for years and has controlled our life. For those intimidated into silence through, chain, through shame, I want to give a voice to what shame doesn't want you to say out loud. You might be saying, Josh, you will never understand. And I could agree with you. But never again can you think that Jesus doesn't understand. On the cross, Jesus said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It's the same word used in Psalms 22.1 that means abandoned. Jesus is on the cross and he's getting abandoned so that you don't have to be abandoned. God turned his face away from Christ so that he could turn his face towards you as, his, as your husband later. He took your shame and absorbed that in order that you could be rescued. In. Will you hear that call this morning? Can you not just nod your head with the leper and say, if you will, you can make me clean, but can you say it? Can you say, Jesus, help my unbelief? Will you answer the call to go from naked to clothed, unclean to holy, outcast to beloved, unwanted to chosen, not my people, to my people, abandoned to adopted, rejected to married, isolated to united with Jesus, and his people. I'm not so sure that anyone is comfortable with shame, 
But I know that many of you believe that you deserve it. But the truth is that you are being given a gift this morning. And when people give you a gift, they do not want you to say what? Oh, I don't deserve it. What they want you to say is what? Thank you. Our next song, I'm going to ask you, could you say that right now? Jesus, thank you. Let's stand and sing.